lover's blues sometimes, maybe. But suddenly get child. Disgusting. Lovers say the truth. You are now Lovers walk along every night. Peace and blessings, good people. Welcome to another edition of Insightful Discussions. I'm your host, Dwayne Bryant, bringing you another insightful topic. You are now listening to part two of Church Folks and Mental Health. Enjoy. Kumbaya and say, look, y'all, I know we done try to be perfect. Like, I know we're supposed to be the body of Christ and we're supposed to be looking like this, this and this. But y'all, y'all, let's just <laughs> let's just be. Can we just be? And I think until we have that conversation, the rug, like people will continue to sweep, people will continue to strive to be this perfect image. And then when other people can't live up to it, they're going to leave the church. Yeah. Case in point, how we just said, a lot of millennials are leaving the church. Yeah, we hip. I feel like we're hip. We're able to say, ah, there's no way. I can't. I can't do this. And, and I think, too, that, like, that is one of the main reasons. Like, a lot of the people I talk to in my age group, they tell me, like, I've let go of this sense of perfection. I've let go of this idea of being perfect, which is, in the religious standpoint, that's Jesus. That's being being so perfect or living your life under certain restrictions to the point where you just feel, you don't feel like you own anything. The possession of self. Like, we know that we are a vessel um, working and living for the, the, the word of God. Like, we know that. But millennials, it's, it's like we have a different outlook on life now. Like we're not chasing. You, you're going to accept me for who I am. If you don't like it, so be it. And that kind of conflicts with, with church. At least how I was raised in the church. You're going to be what I want you to be. And you're going to be in this church. You're going to be... <laughs> In that pew, you're gonna be in that choir stand. You're gonna go to practice. You can go to choir practice. You can go to Bible study. You're being forced to do that. Where millennials now, or youth growing up, you're not gonna tell me I, I have to do this. Like, and if you do make me do it, I'm gonna rebel. When I get old okay. enough not to do it, I'm not. So, I, oh, and I think we're moving fast. We're moving <laughs> fast. See, this topic you can get to talking about a lot. I'm going to stop right there and go back because I just thought about something. We kind of skipped on over the 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 sweep under the rug thing for the church. You see how you see how that topic right there is, is touchy? We swept it. Yep. We see you swept it right under the rug. But but I'm going to pause there and I'm going to go back. I I wanted I brought up that question or that topic because a lot of times even in therapy, I know that you've given some type of therapeutic um uh, some type of therapeutic uh, services to people, whether that be art, whether that be one-on-one, clinical, whatever. A lot of the times we come into people who have been raised in a church, who have been raped, molested, abused, who have scars as a result of somebody in a trusted position within the church or within the community that have violated them. But because they were in the church, because they had people who were of a religious background that influenced them to give it to God, give it to the pastor, be, have faith, 
that everything was going to be okay. Now they grown and stuff still ain't okay. I don't know if you can speak to that. I know I can speak to that, but I want to hear from you. Have you came across some clients or people who have had to deal with something like that? Yeah, I have. And there's this overarching, this very thick layer of shame and guilt that we have to address before we can even get into the trauma of whatever they experienced. Um, Mm -hmm. So, of course, the shame that ties in, like what you said, molestation, rape, all of that, abuse, the shame that ties into that, but then, of course, the shame that connects you with whatever this Mm -hmm. person is and whatever their position is within the church. The church, of course, if you have that perfect image of what a church is, that's the complete opposite of whatever they experience. So they have this inward shame of it must have been something I did. I did not follow the doctrine to the T. Maybe it was something I wore. Maybe I shouldn't have, I should have did the church hug versus the full frontal hug. <laughs> you know, there's wow. so many song and dances that I could have done. Maybe if I went mm-hmm. to Bible study more, maybe if I tithed more. There's a lot of in a, there's a lot of additional shame and guilt associated with that and then there's a a feeling of hopelessness because the church is what we talk about that's where you go to seek refuge that's where you go to heal that's where you can lay up on the altar and like pour into like pour out and cry out and ask god to help that's where you go seek counsel that's where Mm -hmm. people pray over you and they anoint you like so to have that type of abuse happen in that place of such sanctity, it's just devastating. There's just looming feelings of hopelessness. So one, just trying to take the concept of church and make it a little bit more plain because a lot of us, of course, have that ideal thought about what church is, but then to kind of break it down and say, church is basically a bunch of human folks going to a building. So what Mm -hmm. that human did to you is unspeakable and we need to talk about it and we need to address it and then we can work on healing. So until we can really kind of shatter that concept of what church is, we work through that first and then provide a lot of psychoeducation in order to even move into like, okay, now do you feel comfortable enough to share what happened and can we move through the traumatic process of like working through your trauma narrative and working towards healing because there's it just adds an extra an extra step but i i mean i compare it to children going through physical sexual emotional abuse and neglect in the home because in the home that's Mm -hmm. where you seek refuge from the world that's where you decompress that's where you sleep you let your guard down oh yeah so for you to have your world rocked in the most comfort of all places, I kind of compare that to people having abuse and neglect within the church too. That's the most comfortable of all. That's where you go in the community. That's your safe space. That's your hub, you know? So I compare it to that. Almost definitely. I agree with what you said as far as that safe space and your, in your world being rocked because that's essentially what happens. That's what it is. You are being violated by, Someone you trust in a place where you're supposed to be free and protected. 
and a lot of times when I, I've had clients who I've spoken to, it's just being that violation of trust that they just can't get over. And mm-hmm. one thing my professor taught me, taught, taught me about trauma, how trauma uh, manifests itself is different with different people, but it's always trends. And when you're violated, when you have experienced some type of traumatic event, you are locked in at that moment, at that mm-hmm. stage in life, at that time, that point in time in life where that happened to you. And it's so hard for people to get over that. And he broke it down into this simple form of, you remember the time you fell off a bike? Some people fall off a bike and nothing happens. But if you fell off the bike and you broke your ankle or broke your leg, you may not never get on a bike again. Because every time you see a bike, it's going to take you right back to the moment in which you fell mm-hmm. off and you broke your leg. Man, that's a simple comparison, but it's just for me to illustrate how trauma, how those experiences can stick with you for a lifetime. And that's essentially what we're talking about when we talk about mental health. It's, it's being healthy. It's having a state of mind where you're able to navigate through life without having these restrictions or these demons, as we sometimes call them in the church, pulling on you. And that's, we got to start having an honest conversation amongst the church people, just black people in general. Another thing I want to bring up, you brought up trauma, and that's a whole nother podcast. In addition to trauma and having that trauma survivor, you Mm -hmm. also have to count vicarious trauma and secondary trauma too. Oh, yeah. And compassion fatigue and multi-generational trauma. So if it's that one person that had that encounter with Mm -hmm. a church official and that one person told so-and-so and and that so-and-sos are trying to help that trauma survivor, they've also, you know, taken on that trauma too. Almost definitely. They have secondary trauma now and it ripples. And we're on that day and age where we have social media too. So your trauma doesn't just stay in your community. Your trauma gets uploaded onto Facebook and Instagram. I'm reading about it. So and so Mm -hmm. is reading about it. We're sharing it. Now the whole generation, the whole community is impacted by this trauma. It's not just that one person anymore. Facts. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like I I even um (laughs) I wrote an article about a year ago and it was it was called PTSD is the new black and it was speaking to it was speaking to some of those same things you just said about the impact of social media and how you can experience something in one place and post it on Instagram or you being on Facebook live and these people seeing somebody die like we've seen people mm-hmm. die on social media yeah. like let that sex soak in i know we're talking about church and we're talking about mental health but this is another aspect of mental health and how we had the church shooting. We had a white young man come into church and kill people. And the immediate thing that we did as, as a church community, as the black community, we forgave that young man. As because, Jesus taught Because us. what the Bible said. I was about to say, no, what the Bible said. <laughs> See, some of those things right there as a, I don't even know if I'm, because I'm, I'm a millennial, but as a, just a young adult, that's something that I just cannot understand. And that's something I can't stand for. But you have these people in the church who will live and die by that. Will live and die by that. And I know we, we jumped around right then because that, see, you see how it's just, it's just one of those conversations that's scattered. But that, the, that situation is one of those things where 
we have social media and everybody lives it. Everybody mm-hmm. gets a chance to experience it and it impacts all of us in different ways. But a lot of us become stuck by that trauma. And it impacts our mental health. Regardless if we know it or not, it impacts our mental health. And black people in general in America, I don't think we realize that we have a different level of mental health or exposure to conditions that have impacted our mental health genetically for people who were born in America. And a lot of people don't like talking about slavery because it's it's supposed to be dated, but people don't understand the psychological impact of slavery and how it has affected us over time. Mm -hmm. That is something that we live with daily. Now you, (laughs) this may be getting too deep, but earlier you said you went to Africa in ninth grade, right? I did. I had a chance to go to Ghana, uh, what was it, two years ago? Almost two years, like a year and a half ago. And the spiritual systems that I was exposed to there, it was it was a little different. Like, I understand the concepts of, of Christianity and how I was raised. And I got there and I just saw how the people were moving and how they... I, I, I went to the castles and I saw how the people were preaching on top of slaves, on top of black people that were about to be shipped to the Americas. What? Like I, I got I got exposed to just religion from a different perspective, and I, I just got to see how, how can you praise God and enslave people and have these people below you? So it's like you have a group of black people who don't really know your language, who don't can't communicate with each other because you don't know, mix them up, and you do have them looking up through cracks. As you're yelling God, as you're yelling Jesus, as you're yelling all these Christian terms, preaching these scriptures. Like we don't even think about that and how that can impact us and affect our whole outlook on religion. But that might be too deep for wow. this podcast. <laughs> wow. No, that's some heavy stuff. That's why why you bring that up? I didn't mean to go there, but it, but oh, we talking man. about it and you know, stuff just come up, you know? Because that was real. I sent pictures to my, my stepdad. He's a deacon at my home church. And I just, I sent him a picture of it. And he was like, wow. I'm like, yeah, you know, we, we I've never heard of this until I got over there. Like, I would have never known this if I didn't go and see it for myself. The chains, the the the, the little, I don't, you might as well call them caves. The caves that they had these these black people in that had religious markings on the side, like Christian sayings in front, Bible verses. Outside of these these tombs, these caves that they was putting these people in and holding them in, it, it, it makes you think about religion. It made me think about at the time what I was, ra- how I was raised, what I was raised on, and it made me question whether or not this was even something that black people should be, you know, striving to. But when you so deep in it, you gotta understand. I, I saw that for the first time, and I've been exploring you know, different concept of African spirituality ever since, but you can't, it's hard to fight something that you've been, that's been embedded in you since you were a child. And they talked about the concept of how slavery, they will beat something into your mom and your dad right in front of you while you're a child. So that it just sticks with you as you grows up. That is so heavy, but that's, that, I feel like, 
that even reinforces the whole conversation of today as to why incorporating mental health in the church is so important and so relevant. And when you were talking, that made me think of a quote. Mm -hmm. And the quote goes, um, atrocities refuse to be buried and remembering and telling the truth about terrible events are prerequisites both for restoration of the social order and for the healing of the individual. And that's by Judith Herman. But that Ooh. in and of itself. Yes, come on, somebody. I was about to say, like, I had to give you one on that one. She brought <laughs> notes. I ain't got no notes. Right <laughs> I had to pull it up because you were, the way you were talking, atrocities can't be buried. Like, we, content, we can't sweep them under the rug, although we do. Yeah, you can't say, "Oh, get over it." It's only been a couple, you know, it's a, some odd years ago. We constantly do it, but we can't do it. In mm. order, we have to talk about it in order to restore social order, in order to restore the peace, and in order to begin healing. We can't even begin healing until we address, until we talk about it, until we lift up the rug and get all of the skeletons out of the closet. Yeah, so, and, and that's the crazy part because you got to think. We 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 are able to have this conversation because we've been exposed to certain things. Imagine trying to talk like this to people who have not traveled, who have not studied mental health, who have not been so embedded in culture to the point where they're questioning things and they're finding new ways of thinking. Imagine trying to have that conversation. So to the listeners, I want y'all to understand that this is not us saying that, oh, we've denounced religion. We don't rock with church no more. That's not what we're saying. We're we're critically analyzing the the impact of church and how it has influenced mental health or how it has influenced black people's connection to mental health services. Because we are in the field where we do provide services to individuals and we are advocates for black people going out and getting the help that we need. So mm -hmm. we can talk about this this whole topic for for another hour. Like, I would love to talk about this for another hour. Maybe we might even do a part two. But we probably should. We, we, might, we might need to do a part two. We can, we can definitely set that up. We can set that up. But before we do log off, I want you to sit. I want you to tell people where they can find you, your social media, and anything that you have coming up in the near future. Okay, cool. So, I also want to say that there are churches that are incorporating mental health strategies. My home church, where my uncle is the pastor and my grandfather's pastor, Meredith, my mom's the reverend, my dad's the deacon. Once a month, I get to come up and talk about mental health topics. So New Image Baptist Church, for those of you guys that are in Maryland okay. and Fort Washington, come through. Um, <laughs> You better put uncle, that plug in there. I have to put the plug in real quick. <laughs> my uncle, um, Pastor Herb Browson, he is in the social justice system. So a lot of our Sunday worship services incorporate a lot of social injustices. Mm -hmm. And then I get to come up once a month and talk about mental health. So last month, it was about mm -hmm. compassion fatigue. Oh, wow. That was, that's amazing. And so me, you can get in contact with me. Lauren Jones, um, through my nonprofit, Propel Production Center. Um, on Facebook, Instagram, it's just Propel Production Center, all one word. Productions has an S at the end. Propel only has one L. Propel Production Center. 
And um, Propel Production Center, in essence, is just a mobile nonprofit organization that uses art and other creative strategies to talk about mental health, just bring awareness, education, and resources. So that is how you can get in contact with me. And my upcoming thing this Saturday, I will be participating at an A-STEAM carnival. So A-STEAM stands for Aviation, Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Math. So... November 3rd from 12 to 4, I will be at um, the Hilton Boys and Girls Club out in Woodbridge, Virginia. So just come through. It's kind of like a vendor fair. Come up, learn about science, learn about engineering, learn about mental health. Okay. Um, and then catch me at the end of November at New Image Baptist Church doing another mental health topic. There we go. There we go. And I'll make sure I put all the links and all the information in the bio so when we post this y'all can go and follow her page you can go check out her website and just be active especially in the maryland area go check out the service and go check her out when she do her mental health little shindig but it's been a pleasure uh speaking with you about this topic today i think that is very important and i hope that you all who are listening have taken something from what we have discussed today but as always thank you all for listening until next time peace and blessings I locked my keys in my car. What am I going to do now? No worries. Ford got keys. Cheapest in the city. Home of the $25 Fable Area Lockout Service. Don't stress. Call Ford got keys now. 910-391-9726. Ford got keys. The $25 Auto Lockout Service in Fayetteville.